How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 291 of X-Lapsed, where uh, I'm recording this on my birthday, and uh, I'm still not recovered from the past several uh, days of, uh, I guess, engorging myself and overindulging in uh, all things sweet, sugary, and carb-loaded. Um, my body's reacting to this, like, very, very strangely. It's, uh, it's weird. I, I guess maybe not indulging as often as I used to has like taken my tolerance for such things to like the very limits. So anything I'm eating right now is just uh, well, it's given me tr- like traumatic heartburn <laughs> to the point where I can't drink water without uh, getting heartburn. I can't sit down without getting heartburn. I, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm choking down heartburn. It's a uh, pretty ridiculous and it's a stark reminder of the way I used to I guess not take care of myself because I used to experience this on a daily basis and now it's like completely alien to me and it's uh, really really kicking my ass so um with all that said <laughs> let's get into today's issue here uh, this is New Mutants volume 4 number 23 out of January 2022 cover date the story is called the truth shall set them free dot 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 Written by Vita or Vita Ayala, art by Rod Reese, letters VCs Travis Lanham, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman, edits Okoye Brunstad White Sabolski, cover price $3.99. And the on sale date here, um, yeah, this is a weird one because I know the on sale dates have been kind of all over the place um, over the past month or so, which is probably why I had to scramble to find some of these books, but. Uh, it says here in the book that the on-sale date was November 10th, 2021, but I'm also seeing that it was released on December 1st, 2021, which means that uh, we're, I guess, covering this book out of order, but I doubt it matters. I really doubt it matters, considering just how crazy everything is right now. In any event, let's uh, let's get on into it here. Um, now, this may be the 291st episode of this show, but it somehow also feels like it's the 293rd part of this Shadow King story. So uh, that's where we're at. We're still doing Shadow King stuff. So we open with the Shadow King's irregular standing over Farouk's slumbering or unconscious body, even though, I mean, I know it's been a while, but I could have sworn last issue ended with the irregulars happening upon the Shadow King himself, who was standing over the unconscious new mutants. Like, weren't they all, like, connected via, like, like Venom symbiote-looking <laughs> stuff? Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Anyway, the kids decide here to um, enter the Shadow King's mind. Uh, the art, for, I mean, as awesome as Rod Reese is, and he is awesome 
It's not entirely clear what's going on here. Like, what the hell is happening is really up in the air. Maybe that's the point, but that really doesn't make for an easy-to-follow read, especially when we're dealing with such, uh, you know, such abstracts, right? Anyway, upon arrival into the astral wherever the hell, the Irregulars look a little bit less irregular. Well, some of them anyway. Cosmar isn't as warped. She looks... She looks more uh, normally proportioned. Um, Rainboy looks almost human. And No Girl actually has a body. Uh, she looks kind of like the uh, Teen Titans villain Simon, or Poseimon, with the exposed brain, but still, there's a body there. From here, we head to an info page, and it's the first of two Ben Percy specials. Now, the Ben Percy special, of course, is uh, a script. It's a page of script, <laughs> passed off as an info page, and uh, that's what we get right here. Now, this script, it's, it's not exactly a script. It's framed as though it's the script for a play. Now, the play is called The Boy and the Beast, and apparently this is Act 2, Scene 3425. And it's a scene depicting uh, Farouk, the child, I guess, fighting off the Shadow King influence. Now, the Shadow King is trying to convince the kid that he'd be nothing without him, to which Amal replies that the Shadow King is nothing but an echo of a beast, which is something we'll hear a couple more times during this issue. Double page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters include Danny Moonstar, Karma, Wolfsbane, Warpath, Magic, Anole, Scout, Rainboy, Cosmar, and No Girl. Back to comics, and we've got our titular team, and they're in a version of the Green Lagoon where the Brood have come a-callin'. Now, if you recall, and I wouldn't blame you one bit if you didn't, last issue had the Shadow King putting the new Muse through their paces, living through various scenarios in which uh, Krakoa is, you know, decimated, obliterated, destroyed. So, um, this is uh, another one of those, you see. Now, the Irregulars managed to make contact with them via a bead of water. Now, I'm guessing this is like a rainboy droplet through which they can communicate? Maybe? Uh, anyway, they get the new Mew's attention and convince them to reach out and touch the water drop. Now, it's worth noting here, things are getting about as stereotypically abstract as you might imagine. It looks as though the Irregulars are walking through a scenario in that, uh, that old PlayStation game, LSD, that uh, it never came out in uh, the West, but it was a very dreamy, sort of surreal walking simulator of sorts. First person, you see just weird crap, basically. And uh, they're in a desert... There's a sun in the sky, but the Shadow King's face is on it. I think it even has the fez. Um, there's a Shadow King-looking cavern set atop a vaporwave-looking chessboard. We've got crystals floating in the air. Um, the Irregulars enter the mouth of this cavern. It kind of looks like uh, the cave from... Was there a cave in Aladdin that was like shaped like a, like a cat's mouth or something? I, I can't remember, but it kind of reminds me of that, if that is actually a memory that I'm having. So they enter this mouth, and they find themselves in one of those Escher Impossible Stairway deals. And I mean, we're like a couple of melted clocks and an Alice in Wonderland reference away from getting surrealist bingo. And that's not to say that Rod Reese doesn't absolutely kill it here, though, because he, he absolutely does. This is very, very gorgeous art. It's just a little derivative of what we think of when our, our minds go to... How do we implement abstract and surrealism into a story? From here, we get another Ben Percy special here, another page of script passed off as an info page. Uh, this one claims to be from a different play called Heroes and Shadows, and it's Act 1, Scene 2. 
and it's just the Irregulars talking to the New Mutants. Um, really didn't need to be a text page, uh, especially when we're headed into an actual page of sequential art that continues the discussion right away. But whatever. As mentioned, from here we go right back to comics, and that discussion continues. We get more commentary on how the Shadow King is like nothing more than an echo. We're getting a bunch of, um, well, for lack of a better term, directionless um, word balloons here. And by directionless, I don't mean that it has nothing to do with the story. It's just there's not a little arrow coming off the balloon to say who's speaking it. So we can just assume that it's just being said in the ether of sorts here. And, And it'll make more sense as we get through it. Now, Karma claims to still hate the Shadow King for everything he's put her through. To which Scout tries to convince her that, um, you know what, maybe it's a little less black and white than all of that. She says that, uh, you know, they don't have to forgive Amal or the Shadow King, but uh, it's a little bit more complicated than just to say, you know, he's bad and, and leave it at that. From here, we get a couple of pages of the unified, irregular new muse attempting to trek through the Escherscape. After a few failed attempts, Magic steps forward to take command. She claims that she has the most experience traversing liminal spaces. Liminal spaces, kind of an internet buzzword of late, often used wildly and correctly to reference places that look eerie or strange. Now, liminal spaces are actually uh, in-between spaces, like transitory places that only exist to connect actual spaces. Now, people find them creepy, because I suppose it gets the clicks on YouTube, um, and people also use the term wrong almost 100% of the time. Including, I suppose, um, Ileana Rasputin using it wrong. It's like taking a picture of your basement. That's not a liminal space, right? It's that's that's actually a room. Um, liminal space is like a term that's nearly as abused online as like Mandela effect. Anyway, um, Magic says that they need to synergize in order to get out of this one. But uh, before she can say much more, the crew is approached by the five-in-one that is Wolvesbane. Now remember, her secondary mutation is to break into five wolves. Um... I don't remember when that happened, but I do recall that it is a thing, so I guess we'll go with it. Anyway, the wolf's banes, or the wolf's bane, or the wolf's banes, they attack. And the battle lasts about two panels before the reins are thrown through some nearby Tetris blocks. Danny waxes on about her psychic connection to Rain and how she was able to feel her friend's fear and confusion. But we ain't got no time for that. You see, this story's already dragged on for like 18 issues too many, so let's just get on with it. Now, Magic mentioned synergizing, which I suppose is to say that any assortment of mutants can just jam their powers together to create a mutant Voltron or something, because that's basically what happens here. Now, together, they manifest this angelic being with two sets of wings and an eyeball for a head. And, uh... I thought Jason Aaron killed this, you know, his goofy pet character eyeball guy in a recent issue of Avengers. Oh, well, maybe not. Now, this synergy is called astral fusion, which uh, I suppose is one way of saying, yes, we know this makes no sense. Don't think so hard about it, Chris. Uh, hmm. Anyway, from here, the eyeball angel finds its way into the part of Shadow King's mind where the young child, Amal Farouk, still lives. Now, Rain has beaten them here, and uh, she's comforting the boy in her doggy form. From the eyeball angel then emerges, well, the, the New Mutants and the Irregulars. I'm not exactly sure why they needed to transform. I 
you know what, the art here is is glorious. I'm just going to not ask any questions. We, we got the art. <laughs> I'm happy enough. So at this point, the Shadow King takes over the boy again, or just appears in front of the boy, and taunts the New Mutants with their greatest fears, like you do. Now, Danny sees... <laughs> any guesses what Danny sees? Any at all? Of course, she sees the friggin' demon bear. Has there ever been a concept in X-Men lore that suffered from the law of diminishing returns more than the friggin' demon bear? Uh, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Uh, now, Karma is faced off with some dude. I'm going to assume maybe it's her brother? It's not clear at all. I'm just guessing since we did have uh, Tian come back, or allegedly come back. We haven't seen him, have we? But he's back, apparently. Maybe it's that. Warpath sees... Um, well, the upcoming X-Men solicits for the spring, which, for some ungodly reason, includes a giant-sized X-Men Thunderbird one-shot. Woof. Um, and Magic sees herself as the Dark Child or whatever. From here, well, everybody fights. It's We got like 800 more pages to, to fill, and it's a fight. The Shadow King is uh, talking to Rain, uh, talking about her son Tyr, trying to get her to protect the boy Farouk, and so that's what she does. She also sees the New Mutants as, like, these really creepy and uh, just awesomely drawn demons. Uh, they're, like, skeletal Slenderman sort of stuff. It's, it's excellent, excellent stuff. Though the New Mutants are able to convince her that they are her friends and they don't intend to hurt the Farouk boy. Then we get a few pages of the Shadow King talking to himself. Before we're zapped back out to reality to find the Shadow King curled up on the ground apologizing and begging for forgiveness. So... Maybe Amal won out, uh, I think. It's, that's where we leave it. Maybe we'll find out more next time. Um, maybe we're being left with the boy Amal in the giant adult Shadow King body? I don't know. All I do know is I'm really, really tired of the Shadow King stuff, and I hope it goes away for a little while. But uh, that's where we leave it. Next episode is... a. Uh, is it the final issue of S.W.O.R.D.? Or do we have another one after that? Or is it just going on break? Or is it turning into X-Men Red? I suppose we'll find out as we get there. But, uh, yep, that's the issue. How about we, uh, how about we talk a little about it? Well, right off the bat, it, uh, looked phenomenal. I mean, it was a really, really pretty book here. Uh, very, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before, but, um, I think when folks see, uh, Rod's work here on New Mutants, they, uh, make the comparison to Bill Sienkiewicz here and say that it's, you know, attempting to evoke that sort of look and feel. And I've said it before, I think, uh, Rod's work is, is actually, like, superior to, uh, the Sienkiewicz work on New Mutants. Um, definitely evocative of it, but, uh, I think it raises the bar, because it's just, it's absolutely wonderful. And this sort of abstract, Escher-esque story really makes the most of uh, Rod Reese's um, abilities here and just uh, allowing him to spread his wings and just just kill it. <laughs> Absolutely kill it. Now, that said, the story itself was... I don't know if derivative is the right word for it, but, um, you know, it's like I said during the synopsis. Uh, when you think about telling an abstract sort of story... This is kind of what you get. You know, you get the Dolly, you get the Escher. It's just kind of a cliche at this point to have this sort of symbolism and this sort of aesthetic to a uh, dreamscape or a, a astralscape, I suppose. 
It's something, I don't know if it's just a pet peeve of mine, the sort of uh, abstract shorthand. I remember back when I fancied myself as a, a bit of a writer, I thought I was very, very clever by um, passing off a little bit of commentary on this sort of thing. I had this one character who was being led through a dreamscape of sorts, uh, on a sort of a vision quest uh, or something along those lines. And uh, upon arrival in this, you know, fantastical land, he was greeted by um, what appeared to be several characters from Alice in Wonderland, while being kind of guided by this uh, disembodied voice. And as he's approaching these characters, they all tip over, and they're all just like cardboard cutouts. And the uh, disembodied voice makes a comment on how, you know, that the whole Alice in Wonderland thing is kind of two-dimensional as a uh, as a reference. And I thought I was very, very clever. I, I never finished the story, which probably is an indictment on how clever I'm not. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if maybe this is maybe this is Chris problems, <laughs> you know, the uh, the whole shorthand for, you know, abstract and surreal. Maybe I'm just a little too hypersensitive to that sort of thing. But uh I'll stop complaining about that there because it's not even really a complaint, I suppose. Um, Let's get into complaints. Uh, (laughs) I didn't like, I I really, this isn't an indictment on this issue or this creative team, but I'm not a fan of Rain's secondary mutation. Uh, The splitting into five just feels, it feels very half-baked, you know? It doesn't feel like it's well thought out. It doesn't feel like we have taken it from A to B, right? It's like, well, there are a lot of things that could happen here, but... How would they work? Uh, like, first of all, do we need another Madrox-type character? Do we need another character that can split? I really don't think so, especially when Madrox has been misused so uh, so often of late. <laughs> Ever since Peter David stopped writing him, he's been really uh, poorly handled, in my opinion, of course. Um, now, a question about the wolves here. Do they share a mind? Like, are they all her? Or are four of them dupes? Or any of them her? Um, is there any one true reign among them? If one of the wolves dies, do they all? Do they come back? Will the next time she does this, will there only be four of them? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe these are questions that uh, don't need to be asked or shouldn't be asked. I, I really don't know. But um, on the subject of, well, I guess splitting and joining, uh, the... The astral synergy thing, the the mutant circuit, I think they called it, where all the characters were able to like merge into this angelic eyeball being. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I didn't care for that either. To me, it kind of feels like they were able to, I don't know, for a lack of a better term, solve the astral scape, the Escher scape, the whatever scape. It just felt like it happened a little too quick, you know, especially for all the. It really isn't, hasn't even been build-up that we've been getting. It's just kind of been meandering. You know, we've been getting this meandering, then all of a sudden, on the, you know, on a dime, everything, they figure it out. I, I don't know. It, it felt oddly paced. Now, um, something I did like, I liked that the Irregulars were depicted as being a little less irregular in the uh, Farouk'scape here. Um, no girl having a body was cool. Uh, Cosmar uh, not being as uh, you know as warped, Rainboy looking a little bit more normal. I thought this was really cool, and I don't know if this is a way to show that that's how they visualize themselves or idealize themselves. We've had a lot of weird body issues of uh, of late, right? Where even as far as like Cosmar wanting to die and be brought back, 
So uh, the body issues or the the normalcy issues here, uh, that's been, I think that's been the strongest element of Ayala's New Mutants to this point because it gives us a lot to kind of chew on and think about. And um, as I've mentioned a few times before, it's a really good contrast with the you know, with the pretty mutants, you know, the uh, the A-listers who all look like, well, for the most part, models. I mean, of course, we've got, you know, nightcrawlers and beasts out there, but uh, for the most part, the rest of them, well, they kind of look like uh, they've been pulled out of, like, an underwear ad, right? Now, um, let's talk about the Shadow King here. Um, the way he was ultimately defeated, I mean, <laughs> could it have possibly gone any other way? I think this was an ending, and it was the ending we all saw coming from several miles away. That's not to say it's a bad ending. You know, that's not a bad ending. Sometimes the most predictable ending is the right ending. It's a little bit of that O-Comics razor, right? So it's not a bad ending. But, I mean, I tell you, the journey here, you know, the journey to get here may have been like a few thousand miles too long, right? And I can't put, I really can't put much of the blame on the creative team here. Because part of me is, well, no, actually all of me <laughs> is convinced that this story has been a victim of, um, you know, Hickman leaving. You know, I think uh, this may have been headed a direction, and when, you know, when the panic button was hit and the alarm started to sound, it's like Ayala and company had two options, right? They could either wrap this one up as quick as it was originally intended to, and again, this is just me postulating, and then from there, jump into a filler arc to get us to the, you know, bold new era. Or they tread water for an extra couple months to get us to that bold new era, right? Um, in the coming weeks and months, uh, depending upon, you know, the shipping schedules, of course, and the big snafu that's going on with comics distribution right now, we've got bold new directions popping up all over the place in the X-Books. So, gotta make this one coincide with the rest of those bold new directions, and, uh... I suppose this was as good a way to do that as any, though, um, I tell you what, in the case of this title, uh, that bold new direction is a magic story, which I am not overly jazzed about, so we'll see it when we get there. We, of course, will be there for it, but uh, I think that's about all I have to say about this issue. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on, um, this sort of kind of overlong, uh, Shadow King story, as well as, uh, where the New Mutants sit in this uh, brave new future for the uh, post-Hickman X-Men. But I think that is where we'll leave it for today. Um, like I mentioned last episode, we've got we've got a pretty full mailbag, but we will be getting to that in coming episodes. It's still about all I can do to get through the synopsis and uh, some random thoughts about the issue without um, my esophagus, throat, and back of my mouth turning into uh, literal liquid fire. So uh, we'll leave it there, and we will come back hopefully far stronger next time. But uh, we will, of course, play that by ear. I'm going to head into my gym right now and pretty much beat the crap out of myself for uh, for all of my uh, dietary misdeeds over the past couple of days here. Got to get back on that horse and... Um, Get back to a state of normalcy, I suppose. But uh, I'd like to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. And uh, until next time, as always, I will be talking to you again real soon. See ya!
Always searching for